Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about examining the lies that we believe and exchanging them for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about a follow-up from a previous episode we had a couple weeks ago titled, Are People Born Gay? And that episode actually attracted a lot of attention. I think it's been the most downloaded episode we've ever had. There's a lot of response on social media. And you can go back and look at the Facebook post with it and see just how strongly people responded. And I, I think there's one commonality between all the responses, and that's that no one actually had watched it. They were just responding to the title. And one of the verses I've talked about previously comes from Proverbs 18.13. It says, A person who answers without listening is foolish and disgraceful. And a lot of people in that comment thread really made themselves out to be foolish and disgraceful because they were uh, responding without having listened. They were responding without actually having watched the episode. And they had such strong opinions. And we've actually thought about just deleting our Facebook page and not using Facebook as a place to promote the podcast because just the comments get out of control and it makes it into a not a safe or uh, edifying place to engage. And so it's really frustrating to see that happen. But if you look through those comments, you really see uh, people who were in two different categories. Some of them were uh, claiming that, of course, people were born gay. Uh, that's just settled science. Even though we talked about in that episode that that's just not true. There's also people saying just some really crazy things like, of course, people aren't born gay. They learned it from their parents or they're groomed by their parents or they're taught it. Or some of them had some outlandish uh, assumptions about why certain people might be gay. But one thing that I heard a lot was the word choice. Like many people saying, well, people choose to be gay. But we've talked about that before. And I, I want to dig into that some more. But it really uh, clarified that we need clarity and nuance in how we talk about these issues. We need some deeper understanding. We need uh, to engage in people in a way that's going to be edifying. And so today I'd like to talk about three different areas where we need more clarity when we talk about sexuality issues. The first area where we need some more clarity is surrounding this word choice. You know, I've talked about the word choice many times in sharing my testimony. I, I share that because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me, I have a choice over the way that I live. I can choose to deny myself on a daily basis of the feelings that, and desires that feel so natural to me. Uh, but I didn't ever choose those feelings. No one ever woke up one day as a six-year-old and said, I'm going to believe this certain lie about myself or about masculinity that's going to uh, make my heart respond in that way. And I'm going to choose that someday it's going to become sexualized when I hit puberty. And I'm going to have this, I'm going to choose to have this emotional desire for men that's going to t morph and twist into a sexual desire towards men. No one ever uh, just woke up one day and chose that. Certainly we we choose our behavior. We, we choose the lifestyle we're living, uh, but our our sexuality, our feelings are really a combination of 
our circumstances and our hearts responding to those circumstances. And then you combine that with our sin nature. And so we went over a lot of that in that previous episode called Are People Born Gay? But I, I still see so much um, confusion around this word choice. And when p people say that it's like, oh, well, they didn't, the, the people weren't born gay. So obviously they chose it. I hear that coming from Christians a lot. Obviously we can expect the world to have misunderstandings. We can expect the world to be confused. Used, but as Christians, we should not be adding to the confusion, to the chaos, to the misplaced assumptions. We need to understand the complexity. So we need to be very careful on how we use that word choice. We need to not perpetuate this false dichotomy, believing that if you weren't born gay, then you obviously chose it. Because the word gay can mean several things. It can mean... Um, sexual feelings and attractions. It can mean behavior. It can mean identity. And so we need to not perpetuate this, this false dichotomy uh, that, that, that some people, if they're not born gay, then they obviously chose it because most of the time our culture is talking about the identity and the feelings and not necessarily the lifestyle. And so we need nuance. We need clarity. And let's not perpetuate those false dichotomies. The second area that I, I think we need some clarity in is this concept of freedom. Uh, many times I hear from Christians like uh, the, these kind of false expectations of what freedom looks like. And, and it's really some false expectations then of what the sanctification process looks like. And because we have some false expectations on people, we... we put on them burdens that they were never meant to bear, that they can't possibly bear. And so what we end up doing uh, is telling people things like, oh, well, uh, you know, Christ died to set you free, so you should be free from temptation. You should be free, you know, instantly or within a certain amount of time of same-sex attraction. And that's just not how that works. When when Jesus set you free, he takes away your death sentence. Uh, the, the penalty you deserved has been removed and you now have eternal life. Uh, he literally shifted your eternal destination. So today, people can rejoice because if you have Christ, then you have eternal life. You no longer have to pay uh, the penalty for your sin. That is the freedom that God gives us. He doesn't necessarily uh, uh, just set us instantly free from our desires or from our temptations, from the things that once ensnared us, um, but he gives us freedom for eternity. But there's so much nuance to this because God does want to give us freedom. He, he certainly changed my life and how I was living. He gave me power through the Holy Spirit. So he gave me freedom from how I was living. Uh, and so that God does want us to live differently. After all, Jesus does say, um, you know, go on sinning no more. And so he does want us to change how we live. That doesn't mean, though, that we're instantly going to just change what we're feeling, who we're attracted to, um, the, the things that once ensnared us. They might still be temptations. And we see this in Paul's life. We see this when he talks about uh, the, the thorn in his flesh. We see that in Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Uh, verse 8, uh, Three times I played with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. So we have to be very careful to not build false expectations. And there's two different ditches we can go into uh, on one side or another when it comes to expectations for people's sanctification. One of those ditches is to expect uh, sanctification on our own timeline, which many times is is uh, too soon. Uh, we expect like, well, in a month or six months or two years, this person should just be over that issue. And we don't allow them time for the spirit to work. We don't allow them time to walk along the process, which really takes a lifetime. And so, so we have to be careful not uh, to put on too narrow or too short of a timeline on someone else's sanctification. And many times I see that uh, when we make that mistake, it really piles on shame and guilt onto people because we tell someone with same-sex attraction, it's like, all right, well, you should be over this in a certain amount of time, or, or Jesus wants to set you free, so just pray enough. You can pray away the gay and, and the, your feelings will just go away. And that's just not how sanctification works. And so we need to be very cautious and not putting those false expectations on people. The other day I had the privilege of sitting down with a young man who is walking with Jesus. He has surrendered his sexuality to Christ, but he had always been in a church environment where the few testimonies they shared regarding homosexuality or same-sex attraction came from kind of a charismatic group that claimed like just immediate deliverance. And so, uh, he had always had that portrayed as like the success stories of this immediate deliverance from same-sex attraction. And I don't want to ever undermine what God can do because God does sometimes just deliver us from those issues, but that's not the normal, that's not the standard of how God deals with people and their same-sex attraction. So we need to not build that up as the standard or put those people on a pedestal of like, they're you know more spiritual than everyone else. I've also seen many times uh, those people uh, fall into sin eventually because they were actually living behind a mask and kind of a false testimony and false claims that they were delivered. And, and then because they were put on a pedestal because of that, they couldn't actually be real about the fact that they were still struggling. And then a year down the road, five years down the road, they've secretly fallen into sin. And so we need to be careful not to put those stories on a pedestal and set that as the expectation of what sanctification should look like. The other really ditch on the other side we can go into is putting no timeline on people's sanctification. And so we're walking alongside someone like, oh, well, you know, sanctification takes a lifetime. You just stay where you're at. Well, no, that's, that's not Christian ministry. God wants to heal our hearts over the course of our lifetime. And so there should always be this tension of, of someone is never healed completely on this side of the cross, yet we want to move them forward in their faith. We want to move them forward in their sanctification. And that's hard because it takes discernment. It takes entrusting them to the Lord. It takes walking along beside them in messy places for the rest of their life. Uh, and that takes a lot of just discernment and grace. 
And the easy route is to go one of these other two extremes where we expect too much of them or we expect too little of them. But instead, we push into the hard places. And so many times I've seen people walk away from Christianity because of these false expectations, this route of we put our own uh, timeline on their sanctification. And so many times I've walked alongside Christian men and women where when these false expectations were put on them, what happened was they say, well, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess God doesn't love me. I guess maybe I don't even have faith. Am I even saved? Because I was told that if I just prayed enough and if I read my Bible enough and if I did check all these boxes, then when within this certain amount of time, my struggles would go away. And that didn't happen. So I guess there's something wrong with me. Or I guess I can't believe anything a Christian says because they told me if I did X, Y, and Z, then this would all be taken care of. And then it didn't work out that way. So they walk away from Christianity and it's tragic to see those situations and they're consumed with shame and guilt. And then on the other side of it, I see the people who um, have no expectations of sanctification put on them. It's just like, well, just accept it as part of who you are, accept it as, and almost this a boastful, prideful, um, uh, this is going to be the thorn in my flesh and I'm going to take pride in that for the rest of my life. And that's, that's also arrogant and prideful and undermines the sanctification that God does want to do in our lives. And so we have to walk alongside people in gentleness, with compassion, and understand that uh, God is going to work in their life in their own, in his own timing, not their own, but we have to push them along in the process. We have to push them along. We have to expect that God has something better for them, but that happens in God's timeline, not in our own timeline. The last way that I think we need clarity is this. We need to understand God's sovereignty. So this is a big topic. This is a big question. This is a very, I mean, you could do a whole sermon series. There's there's books being written on this, you know, over the over last 2,000 years. There's so much debate about God's sovereignty. And so it's like, does God work in someone's life? Or do uh, does someone have control over their life? And it's usually the answer to all these uh, questions is all the above. Like we have certain responsibilities to put ourselves in a place to be sanctified, to take steps towards Jesus. Um, one of my favorite illustrations that I used in a sermon a while back was someone who water skis. Uh, so imagine that you have water skis and it looks so foolish. It's like these, the, I'm not a, a skier at all. Uh, I tried once as a colossal failure. So imagine that uh, my obedience looks like water skiing and it looks ridiculous from the outside it's like i strap these like big two by fours to to my feet and i go out into the middle of the water and imagine that um i do all the right things i put myself in the right place i strap the skis onto uh my feet but imagine that i just sit there in the water and there's there's uh no boat ahead of me to propel me forward it's like Without uh, this power going ahead of me, without this power that's outside of me propelling me forward, there's no way I'm ever going to get off the ground. Yet, I still need to go out there. I need to be prepared. I need to have the right things. I need to uh, uh, actually prepare for myself, have myself in the right place and allow the boat to pull me forward. 
And so I think that that's a really great analogy when it comes to uh, when it comes to sanctification, when it comes to God's sovereignty, we need to be obedient. We need to put ourselves in the right place, but it's ultimately God's power that is going to propel us forward. That's going to get us off the ground. That's actually going to make us ski. But it, so it, is it God's sovereignty or is it our obedience? I think that we can always say both, but I think that we need to take that a step further to ask, what role do I play in someone's life? What role do I play in someone's life in their sanctification, their walk with God? Because again, we can go down this road and there's a ditch on both sides we can go into. One is that uh, it's up to me to make people change. And I see that happen a lot with with parents uh, who are, you know, uh, so distraught over their child's sin. And certainly there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of grieving. There's a lot of mourning. There should be concern but they think that they need to control the situation and we need to control the people in our lives. And we, we discount God's sovereignty. We don't trust God's sovereignty in this person's life. And we need to be able to trust God's sovereignty and give up control. But on the other hand, there's another ditch we can go into on the other side in which uh, we completely give up on being a part of the change that God wants to see happen in people's lives. So we completely give up on and our responsibility to love people, to invest in people, to give an answer for the hope that we have, which means we have to be in a relationship with people. And many times um, I see people uh, um, come to a place where they say, okay, I'm just at peace about where this person is at, whether it's my son or my daughter. I'm at peace where they're at. All I can do is love them. But the mistake I see happening so many times is that instead of peace, they actually have indifference where they, they no longer care about the fact that this person is living in sin. And that's not the route we should go down either. We, should, we shouldn't let peace uh, masquerade itself as just indifference or vice versa. We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, uh, let indifference mask itself as peace. Uh, we should still care that this person is living in sin and we should yearn for something different for them. We should desperately want them to change, but understand that it's the power of the Holy Spirit in them that has the power to change them. So that should lead us to be on our knees in prayers for people. It should be uh, lead us to uh, develop such a deep relationship that we understand the idols that their hearts are serving so that we can apply the gospel to it, understanding that it's only the gospel that's going to change their lives, but God has a part for me to play in it. There should be this tension of, I'm going to be at peace about these circumstances of this person I love living in sin, but there's still this tension because I want something better for them. I, recently, I spoke at a church, and it was really interesting. So many times when I speak at churches, um, I, I, I get people who are on one side of the ditch to where they're trying to control people. And it's like, how do I exert this control and convince this person that this lifestyle is a sin? But at this church, I found people in the other side where uh, they're saying, oh, yeah, my child is gay, but I've decided that all I can do is love them. But it seemed like they had erred on the other side to where they no longer cared that their child was gay. They no longer were mourning their child's sin. They had be just become indifferent. They become in indifferent instead of having peace in the circumstances and yet still trusting that God has a part for me to play 
and maybe that part is to be on my knees in prayer, to, to, to be looking for opportunities, to build relationship, to understand the idols that this person is looking for. And I think that part of the reason why we become indifferent like that is because many times we mistakenly believe in our head, we, we believe that God can change people. We would say, oh yeah, theologically, God can bring anyone to repentance. But I believe... I think that sometimes we have a hard time actually believing in our heart that people can change, that people like me can come to repentance. And it's just too hard to live with this tension of, I believe that God can change people, but God hasn't changed this person yet. And so the, the easy routes are one of these two ditches where we try to control the situation or we instead uh, just give up and we don't actually believe that God wants to change them or that God can change them. And so we need clarity on God's sovereignty in their lives. We need clarity on what is my role. And that should lead us to prayer. That should lead us to be on our knees. That should lead us to a massive amount of humility uh, in this person's life as we mourn their sin, but grieve the fact that they have not yet found the grace to find freedom from it, to find freedom in Christ for eternity. And then it's out of that freedom in Christ for eternity that they can find some freedom on this side of heaven from the sin that hasn't snailed them. But we have to believe that God wants something different for them. We have to believe that God wants something better for them. And we can't let peace of our circumstances lead to just indifference. Uh, we, we want to have a vision that God wants to bring this person to repentance. And he wants me to play a part of it. And I'm going to be at peace no matter what role then God has for me and where we are in that process. So I hope that these uh, areas of clarity really help. The first one was the word choice. We need to be very careful about how we use the word choice and understand that that uh, people choose the lifestyle they live through the power of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't choose same-sex attraction. They didn't choose uh, to be struggle with that particular sin issue. So let's be very careful in how we use the word choice. The sec secondly was the concept of freedom. We have to be cautious on how we perpetuate this this concept of freedom, and we understand that freedom is that Christ uh, took away our sentence of death for eternity, but that doesn't mean that we'll have complete freedom from struggle, from pain, from temptation on this side of eternity. And lastly, we need to understand God's sovereignty, and we need to give up trying to control people because uh, only God can change their heart, but he does let us play a role in that. He gives us the privilege of playing a role and, and them changing and them coming to repentance. We need to be at peace about what our role is, but be on our knees praying for opportunities for God to use us in these people's lives. So I hope that this helps. I hope that this provides clarity to a world and to many times Christians who are so confused about sexuality issues. I, I pray that this will uh, give you better tools to invest in your LGBTQ neighbors and friends and better have conversations. 
And I pray that uh, you can share this podcast with people so that they can find clarity. If you're interested in knowing more, please check out our website, thegreatexchangepodcast.com, calibrateministries.com. Please let me know how I can love and serve you in this process. Please let me know how I can love and serve your church. We want to be here as a resource. We'd also appreciate your uh, monetary gifts towards the ministry. You can do that at calibrateministries.com if this resource has been an encouragement to you. Uh, With that said, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us on The Great Exchange. Uh, we, We pray that as you go throughout your week, you can examine the lies that you believe and exchange them for God's truth. And in doing so, you can have an extreme difference. You can have an impact on people's lives around you. So, so go out and be blessed and be a blessing to others. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.